Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. You know, I listen to Bickley and Murata. Terrific show, by the way. I really enjoy it. Bickley and Murata mornings from 6 to 10. Bickley and Murata. It's the greatest show on earth. Bickley and Murata. Good morning and welcome. Dan Bickley. Sports, man. Sports. Vince Murata. It's a power-packed morning zoo. Are you kidding me? Bickley and Murata. Bigly and Murata. I love this show. This is the greatest show in the history of radio. It's the greatest radio show ever. Bigly and Murata. I hate everything about this show. This is the worst show in the world. All right, buckle up, Valley sports fans. Quite a day has begun on Bickley and Murata mornings. You've heard Sarah Cazell kind of tease you what is coming. Nine guests. Is that all? This is this is the kind of day that makes Jarrett's head explode. <laughs> wow. Nine guests? No, this is the type of show that... Jared's going to save this show sheet so when the guests get thin, he'll be like, remember that day oh, right. in February where we were nine right. guests? <laughs> Look at this. Yeah, I uh, and I told I told this crew last night that I want to perform like Chick-fil-A does at noon on a Saturday. Where the busier it gets, the better they are. Yeah, well, I want to perform like Chick-fil-A does on a Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Take the day off and <laughs> start up again on Monday. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. That's a good joke to start the show, Ferret. You're on fire, man. <laughs> Yeah, this is this is going to be and no, big guests the, too. Right? Yes. No. This is a this is a pedigree day. This is a flex day. Right? This is a day when you act like a big league sports town. Yes. Right? In a big league sports market and a big league radio show. You got that? Feels good, doesn't it, Mister Toledo Mudhead back there? You got that? <laughs> <laughs> I tell you what, he's got some good coffee in there. This is a uh, dangerous thing for me. You don't oh. need good coffee. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Get, get that into Bickley immediately. We right, saw so, yesterday. Yeah. yeah, yeah. No, it's, it's oh true. yeah, that's true. That thing. Yeah. No, well, Light again, your fuse. again, because it it's like you know, it's been a while since I've actually put that in to sort of like a morning vibe. Yeah, it's always been that coffee. Now suddenly there was. <laughs> Rocket fuel and I was yeah. gone. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> Beware, everybody. I, I have. I stumbled across some news yesterday that could affect the future of the show. All and, right, and its content. Okay. Uh, I've talked. To, I, I've talked to you about Apple Music before, right? Mm. I like Apple Music a okay. lot. I subscribe to it. They added a feature yesterday, Bick, which basically turns every song into a karaoke track. Oh, okay. You can t- yeah. you can take a vocal yeah. slider and it just takes out the vocals. Yeah. Wow. Did you hear that, Jarrett? That's you hear tremendous. That, Jarrett? <laughs> wow. That's I'm pretty good. already. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, my car rides just oh. got a lot different. Yeah, the, listen, <laughs> I, my guitar prep has gotten a lot different yes, with stuff like I that. Yes, I thought it's, about it's, that, it's too, unbelievable yesterday. unbelievable the training tools that are now available because you can strip music of its essential properties. Yes. Uh, yeah. Oh, I do that every time during I know my you do. Oh, I know you do, bro. I completely strip I know you do. Yeah. Yeah. Also, strip your own dignity down yeah. to the bone. Even Weird Al Yankovic is saying, Yankovic is saying, get this clown off the stage. <laughs> I just thought that was exciting news. All right. No, it is. It's very, everything is exciting news. All right. Let's have some fun today. Let's start the show, Jarrett. The 
Splash. Splash. The stories making waves in the sports world. The Splash. Cannonball. Cannonball coming. Cannonball coming. The Splash. Brought to you by Presidential Pools, Arizona's number one pool builder. See why at presidentialpools.com. Yeah, okay. About all that buzz about Friday night, Suns, Thunder being the debut of Kevin Durant in a Suns uniform. Nah. Uh, not necessarily the case. Brian Windhorst put it out there first yesterday saying that he wasn't ruling out Friday night to be uh, KD's debut. But Sunday's road game in Milwaukee to start a four-game trip could be more likely. Then Flex from Jersey beat Shams, put it out there on Twitter that the conversations he's had led him to believe that a Wednesday night return in Charlotte is more likely. That appears to be the date right now. Durant has not played since January 8th when Miami's Jimmy Butler fell into his leg causing a right MCL strain. So Yeah, and so listen, I I really hope this is only procedural, right? Mm -hmm. Not that there's uh, little minor setbacks or uh, it's not really 100%. I, I think it's the former. That's what it sounds like to me. But but again, I wonder, I don't know anything about these kind of recoveries other than they can take up to eight weeks, which is right about where we are with Kevin Durant. It is. Um, but, you know, there's also an extra an extra dose of, of caution thrown into these. Yeah, two. I guess that's, a, that's Suns, a good way of putting it. Yeah. Um, and and it, as disappointing as it is, because we all want to see what this looks like well, well, yeah. a little bit longer. Well, him opening at home, it's I mean, it's a big bigger deal to everybody. Then, and yeah. But if Sunday doesn't Certainly happen, to you. Sunday in Milwaukee on national television, that would yeah, have been pretty cool, too. Oh, yeah. But yeah. yeah. Wednesday Devin, night in Charlotte just doesn't have the same ring no. to it. Devin Booker famously came back too early this year, yes. and that cost them weeks and weeks, and they cannot afford that with Kevin Durant. No, it's really, yeah, it's a good point. Hey, listen, again, whenever whenever they're ready, yep. it really, it, it's we know a good thing is coming. It's all good. The NBA does heat back up tonight. Post-All-Star break, nine games, including Memphis against Philly and Golden State stayed in L.A. to take on the Lakers on the TNT National Doubleheader. Speaking of the Warriors, they announced yesterday that Steph Curry, who's missed the last five games with a leg injury, is progressing. He'll be re-evaluated in one week. The Warriors have gone two and three without Curry during this absence, and they start the second half of the season with a 29-29 record. Ninth place in the West. Cardinals introduced their new offense uh, defensive coordinator, Nick Rollis, at a press conference on Wednesday. Rollis, a first-time coordinator after spending the last two years as the linebackers coach with the Eagles, where he worked with Jonathan Gannon. Gannon did say, yes, Rawlis will call the defense. Today, the Cardinals have a press conference at 2 o'clock from their Tempe Dignity Health Training Center to introduce new offensive coordinator Drew Petzing. Um, there was a rapport, definitely. Uh, you know, they only worked together for, for two years in Philadelphia, but you could you could sense a, a kinship, a, a, a real a, rapport between Gannon. A rapport? Gannon. Yeah. It feels like a freaking boy band. <laughs> Let's hope they're in sync, man. Hey, whoa! Wait, you didn't, I didn't see you get that good coffee. When did That's you true. do that? That's a good point. It's still buzzing. It's still buzzing from yesterday. Uh, neither of the Cardinals' top two quarterbacks will likely be available for the team's offseason program. We all know Kyler Murray recovering from ACL surgery. His timetable for re- return remains unclear, but second stringer Colt McCoy is also dealing with an injury that will prevent him from full offseason work, Michael Bidwell said on the Dave Pash podcast yesterday. Uh, McCoy started three games in 2022 before suffering a concussion in week 15 at Denver that sidelined him for the rest of the season. Various reports on Wednesday pointed to Florida defensive coordinator Patrick Tony leaving the Gators program to join Gannon's staff in Arizona, although it has not been announced by the team. NFL Network's Tom Pelissero reported that Ben Steele 
ancient, a 44-year-old uh, who was on Denver staff last season is headed to Arizona to coach tight ends. But again, we're waiting for confirmation on both of those. The Tennessee Titans released, se- uh, released several veterans yesterday, including left tackle Taylor Lewan, former yeah, Valley, Valley pre- guy. Uh, product, wide receiver Robert Woods, inside linebacker Zach Cunningham, and kicker Randy Bullock, all released. Moves that save the Titans around $37.7 million against yeah. the Cavs. And you wonder if Taylor Lewan is a guy that Monty Ostenfort would look at and go, hey, maybe. We might even ask him that. Maybe. We can. He's coming on the show in about... I don't know, 35 minutes. Nice. Uh, Coyotes, uh, you know, lately we've seen them fall behind early and then grind their way back into games. Last night we saw the opposite of that. Nick Schmaltz, Clayton Keller, Matthias uh, Michelli scored second period goals, and the Yotes enjoyed a 3 1 lead over Calgary at Mullet Arena. But then the onslaught happened. The Flames scored five straight goals, including three on the power play. 6 3 win from the visitors from Alberta. The loss ends the Yotes' point streak at nine straight games. Homestand continues with a visit from Nashville on Sunday, 5 o'clock game at Mullet Arena. Coyotes also made a trade. One of those Coyotes trades, they picked up one of the best defensemen that's played in the last 25 years, Shea Weber, except he doesn't play anymore. Uh, They traded Dyson Mayo to Vegas for the contract of Shea Weber and a fifth-round pick in this year's draft. Weber has not played since the 2021 playoffs. Uh, Arizona State's spring football schedule is out. Kenny Dillingham Sun Devils will have 15 practices on Tuesdays, Thursdays, and Saturdays for five weeks starting on March 14th. And then things will conclude on April 15th with the annual spring game at Sun Devil Stadium. And that is at the conclusion of Pat's run. And then finally, Andrew Marchand of the uh, New York Post reported that Apple TV Plus is emerging as a potential favorite landing spot for Pac-12 college football rights. Marshan also wrote that Conference Commissioner George Klyovkov could present this as an option to university leaders very soon. Industry experts believe the Pac-12 is running out of options after the Big 12 signed extensions with ESPN and oh, Fox. Yeah, and there's a lot of there's more rumblings out there of more conference members flirting with other conferences. Yeah, this is. I thought they were united though. Man. Yeah. <laughs> you mean what? Uh-huh. What these universities are saying in public is not necessarily the case. Yes, send for yourselves. Yes. That's what I say. Right. Well, that's and I think I think that's what they what they are doing. After those cockroaches from USC and UCLA did themselves, everybody else has got to look out for their best interest. There you go. There's your splash for Thursday, February twenty third, and what will be a busy, busy day here on Newsmakers Week, day three. But before we hit Newsmakers Week, there was news. Nick Rollis introduced as the DC of the Arizona Cardinals. We'll tell you what the young coach had to say next. It's Bickley and Murata mornings live from the Akchin Community Studios here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Being adaptable and more specifically be adaptable to the players that you have, right? And being able to utilize our guys' skill sets that puts them in the best position to win games. Ultimately, what do we have to do on a week-to-week basis to beat the opponent? And, um, you know, that's one component of it. There's a whole other component as far as serving the players, right? And that's everybody in the organization doing what their job is 
in order to truly maximize a player's ability and potential. Nick Rollis, new defensive coordinator for the Arizona Cardinals, introduced yesterday at a press conference where Jonathan Gannon was also in attendance. And everybody's focusing on a number when it comes to Nick Rollis and that number. 29. That is his age. By far the youngest coordinator uh, in the league at this point. He uh, was asked about it, uh, several different questions about his age, and reflected. It is flattering. It is very cool, and I would say this, like, I would not be here if I did not come across certain people throughout my entire life, right? And so it goes back to my childhood of, you know, obviously I had um, great parents growing up, and, and they put me in, in positions where, you know, whether it was school, sports, anything like that, you know, I was, I was given the opportunities to really figure out what I love to do in, in life, and ultimately, you know, I was led to football. Yeah, a lot of the same messaging is, is pretty consistent early on with this coaching staff. You heard him talk in the first soundbite pick about adaptability, and I think that's going to be a hallmark of what they do. What that looks like in practice remains to be seen, but going in there with without a real concrete, etched-in-stone plan defensively, you know, it could be refreshing because we've seen the Cardinals in recent years really struggle to get the most out of their personnel at certain positions because they were probably too tied to scheme. Yeah, I, I don't know how much that, that applied on the defensive side of the ball. I think obviously they they struggled organizationally to get guys in the right position, which I think is something completely different than scheme. Mm-hmm. But uh yeah, I, I think that I think more than anything, um you know, Jonathan Gannon, he's a very confident, very outspoken guy, and he's making a very positive impact early on for the Cardinals, and that's great. It's exactly what the football team needs. It, it, by hiring a young staff, this is something that, at the very least, this is something Cliff Kingsbury never really had. Did Cliff Kings? I'm sure Cliff Kingsbury eventually had guys on the staff, but they weren't guys in huge positions on the staff. The coordinators on a football team, offensive and defense, they roll at a different level than all the other assistant coaches. Mm-hmm. They're in the they're in the the mill if you will. They're in sort of like the churn of of everybody, the candidates, the climbers, everybody. The, those are the, the the big players. Then everybody below that it, it, they're different levels. At least you know going into this, Jonathan Gannon with Nick Rollis has got a guy now who's his guy, right? A guy that he trusts, mm-hmm. a guy that he can. Okay, my I can be the head coach, and my defense is going to be the run I uh, be run the way I wanted to because of this guy. So that to me will mitigate the age until otherwise. Right. The idea that they said and they said this again yesterday, this is becoming a a pet phrase of Jonathan Gannon, the idea that experience is not synonymous with knowledge. That can be very true. But again, you got to be very careful at towing that line and not acting like the Arizona Cardinals are the franchise that went out and cracked the code and, and got the smartest guys in the business. Didn't matter if they were young. They're all prodigies. You better be real careful with that. Yeah. Because you know how that kind of stuff plays perceptually inside the game. Absolutely. If you put out that feel that, hey, we're we're reinventing the wheel. Yeah. You know, in the mm-hmm. NFL especially, there's got to be respect paid to the wheel <laughs> because of what. It's a good way of putting it. Because of good way know, of putting it. Uh, of the way things have yeah. been. So, yeah, I like the brashness. I like the youth so far. But mm-hmm. but you're exactly right. There is a fine line to toe. 
Yeah, and now you're also talking about a defense, and and defenses, you know, they're they're very much they're hardcore, and it, it, the veterans you have on on the defensive side of the football, um, Buda Baker comes to mind. I would be quite certain would be looking at this going, okay, what are these guys going to have? What what can they teach me? Mm -hmm. What do they have to give me? And those are those are heavy questions. Now, a guy like Buddha Baker, I think his heart is open enough where he would just go, okay, you know what? Somebody's got a plan. I'm part of this team. I'm following the plan. I'm I'm going to do everything I can to make this work. He, I think he's mature enough emotionally like that to be like that. But in a, on other teams, older veterans would look at this like, okay. Especially if a guy comes in, if, if Nick Rawls comes in, how comfortable is he going to be lighting up a veteran middle? How, how comfortable is he going to be even lighting up a guy like Zayvon Collins? That, these, are, these are real life questions. There was one exchange that I thought was very telling in the press conference, and I'm not sure if we have the soundbite or not. But Jonathan Gannon was asked about the interview process and an exercise that he had all the candidates go through, and that is... You know, tell me what you what you liked and tell me what you didn't like. When he was interviewing Nick Rawlis or talking to him about this open position, he said, hey, he was he was open. There was things that I did as as a defensive coordinator in Philadelphia that he didn't like eye opening. And then he said, you know what? OK, improve on that. Do it better. Uh, I thought that was pretty telling that, you know, a, a young coach in, in Jonathan Gann and listening to an even younger coach in Nick Rawlis uh, and empowering him to change the way things are done. And I think that's that's the beginnings of a, of a good working relationship, which they obviously already have. And if you go back to the beginning of the Cliff Kingsbury tenure, they didn't have that advantage of a lot of coaches coming in with working knowledge of, you know, how they operate. Take a step further. They were coming from all different sources because of Cliff Kingsbury's lack of NFL contact. Well, let's take it a step further. When you take a look at Cliff Kingsbury's previous staff, he had some veterans around him, guys with real experience who have ever who had everything that this staff does not have. And I'm talking about Sean Kugler. I'm talking about Vance Joseph. But these are guys that were hand-delivered to Cliff Kingsbury. Uh -huh. There was a point in time when Sean Kugler, um, early on in the Cliff Kingsbury regime, was credited for getting Cliff out of the air raid and into a more pro-style offense. Baby steps, getting it out of this full-blown four-wide receiver sets at all time, and people thought at that point in time, Sean Kugler might have just, you know, saved Cliff Kingsbury. Then, fast forward a couple years, Cliff Kingsbury's asking to have Sean Kugler fired from the staff. Okay. Mm -hmm. And, and and now before listen, it actually happened, yeah, according to right, the reporting, and yeah. before, right? And now and then you take a look at Vance Joseph. Vance Joseph, I think, was 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 a great great employee here. Never did anything but his job to his best of his abilities, mm -hmm. right? Yeah. And, and you don't always get that from defensive coordinators who have no attachment to the coach, the head coach. So at the very least, Jonathan Gannon now has his guys. Right. His guys. And that is very important. There's a reason why if you talk to Bruce Arians about this very subject, when he got the job late in life, one of the things that came with getting the job late in life for Bruce Arians was the realization that I am not going to be stabbed in the back by some young whippersnapper who I didn't hire, who was placed down in the locker room by the owner mm -hmm. or by somebody. This is not happening to me. I'm going to have 100% loyalty among my guys because they're going to be my guys. And he would not deviate from that to the point where he said, fire me. Yeah. 
because there was it, it wasn't all smooth sailing on that coaching staff either. Yeah. From at least fan reaction to what was going on the field, there was a lot of people calling for heads. And PA stood to him. Yep, dug to him, in that that element of authority hierarchy was inviolate. Mm-hmm. You, you could not touch that. So that should tell you how important it is for a head coach to be surrounded by people who fully have his back. Mm-hmm. You can text your thoughts to the FanDuel text line at 620-620 right now. Of course, the uh, offensive coordinator, Drew Petzing, will be introduced at a press conference today at 2 o'clock, so we'll have a reaction to that tomorrow. Coming up next, you know, if you shelled out a lot of money for Friday night Suns game in hopes of seeing a future Hall of Famer make Whoops. a debut. Whoops. You get Vince Murata instead, the, folks. The thing Whoops. is this. Uh, we'll get into that next. It's uh, Bickley and Murata mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Bickley and Murata mornings. Friday's game on ESPN against the Thunder. I'm not sure that's when we're going to see Durant make his son's debut. Uh, he hasn't played in six weeks, and I know he said over the weekend at Salt Lake City in the All-Star uh, festivities that his knee was feeling good, but there is a, a, a desire for Durant to get a five-on-five live contact workout tomorrow in Phoenix, and then see how his knee reacts to that um, before yeah. you know proceeding to you know being activated. Now, neither Durant nor the Suns are ruling out Friday's game. But I think the you know within within Durant's camp and within the team, there's an expectation that Sunday's game in Milwaukee, which is a Saturday afternoon ABC showcase game, or next week they play in Charlotte as part of a long road trip, uh, could be more likely than Friday against the Thunder. Brian Winhorst from ESPN, uh, his reporting yesterday that kind of started this whole trend, and yeah. then we, you know we saw Flex from Jersey, we saw Shams Charania from the Athletic come in and say it's looking like Wednesday night in Charlotte. Although the interesting part about all of this, Bick, is something that Windhorse mentioned in that soundbite, and that is the Suns still have not ruled Kevin Durant out officially for tomorrow. And uh, that came up with Burns and Gambo yesterday. The next game would be Friday against the Thunder. Have you ruled him out for that game? No, we haven't. We haven't. Okay. And a lot of the talk is, hey, it's about how Kevin Durant feels after uh-huh. this, this five-on-five full-speed workout. Uh, you know, is it still possible that Kevin Durant could come and say, hey, I feel wonderful. Mm-hmm. It's time to it's time to unleash this thing. Thought crossed my mind that that maybe the Suns would really really like to tamp down the out of control hype and expectations of his debut by doing something quite like that. Uh-huh. Yeah, yeah. Because as people have pointed out, it. it the, if this were if this were procedural, if if the training staff and the doctors around Kevin Durant said, okay, this is our timetable, and we needed to check all of these boxes, this is something you could forecast in advance. This is something that, as information, I'm sure has been shared with the NBA, and if not, I don't know why it wouldn't be. The thing that would scare you in all of this is if this is um, okay. Friday was the day, but is nice feeling a little. Eh, uh, that's what you don't want it to be. You don't yeah. want it to be Kevin Durant going, nah, I don't know. It's uh, And it may not be that at all. It might be exactly what we're talking about. He might play Friday night. I, again, it sounds absurd, but I'm not putting that out of the question either. Yeah, we talked to James Jones today for Newsmakers Week on day three at 845. I don't think it's out of the question. We, we could have an update maybe. Uh, you know, more clarification on mm-hmm. yes or no or 
you know, maybe a clarification on the on the muddiness of it. We'll, right. we'll see. Because because um, as you pointed out, there are people who uh, the secondary market, which of course is no responsibility of the Phoenix Suns, but it is what it is. Mm-hmm. And you and you know that that you don't want um, good, hardworking Suns fans. Plunking down big money for a game in which everyone know, internally knows Kevin Durant's not playing. Mm-hmm. You wouldn't want to do that. Except that's bad, for the bad karma. Counting cash guy, you can pay however much you paid. That's what. But hey, fans can still enjoy watching. Yeah, that guy. Uh, fans can still enjoy watching shy Gilgis Alexander. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the, yeah, my the man. opposite of an extrovert. Gilgis Alexander. Gilgis Alexander. Jared did hint on this, and he's right on the, on the splash, but. It's been very strange this year because not one, not two, but three different members of the Phoenix Suns this year have aggravated injuries very early into comebacks. Devin Booker, obviously. Mm -hmm. Landry Shamit, who's still out. Cameron Payne, who's Mm -hmm. still out. So, you know, it's true. I I think there's an air of caution that goes on with all NBA teams now, especially with their top players. But, you know, the Suns on the Kevin Durant front, if there's any question, you know which way they're going to lean. They're going to lean on the side of caution. I don't think it's really a Suns decision anyways. It's it's, uh, that's Uh, a Kevin Durant decision. The words you do not want to hear are lingering. And setback. Yes. Neither no, one of those no, things. No, no, or no. Re-aggravation. Yeah. Re-aggravation. Again, it's, I know we all, we all want this thing to get started. We all want to get this, this great chemistry experiment underway here. But again, it's, there's, to me, there's no rush. I, I know the greatness that is coming. <laughs> right? And, and the chemistry, all that other stuff, that's, they're going to have to figure that stuff off stuff out on the fly. One game here, one game there isn't going to make a difference. Yep. Here was uh, more from James Jones yesterday on, uh, you know, Durant, obviously when he comes back, it's not going to be playing 38 minutes a game. There's going to be an acclimation uh, to the system, to how the knee feels. He talked about what that ramp up would look like. We put him through three on three, five on five. You just want to see him go through some sustained uh, movements, you know, put him out there 20, 30 minutes, see how he responds um, in the moment, but more importantly, the day after. Uh, it's just like a, a regular game. You know, guys go into the game and they feel great, and then they get a chance to go home. You know, their their bodies kind of settle, and, and 12 hours later they're like, hey, I'm sore, or this doesn't feel right. You know, he's been progressing uh, over the last couple of days, but our team guys haven't been in market, so he's just been doing some twos and threes. So we hope tomorrow we'll get a chance to see him out there with the full group. And then we'll go from there, just knowing that every day uh, he's getting better. He's not having any setbacks. And so we expect him to progress well over the next few days, and, and we'll see. Uh, but he'll, he'll be playing soon. Yeah, it'll be very soon. Maybe not tomorrow night, but we mm-hmm. shall see. Hopefully an update today coming up on Newsmakers Week. Um, also on the Kevin Durant front, lots of talk and lots of – with this prolonged intro to the Valley and to the Phoenix Suns, there's a lot of people just trying to you know, put together what this is going to look like. It was a big subject on the Hoop Collective podcast, the ESPN crew getting together on that. Brian Windhorst shared his thoughts on Durant's fit. The way the Suns offense operates, they run a lot of stuff to, to free Chris Paul up around the elbows because we know Chris Paul is one of the game's greatest ever elbow players, um, especially as he battled knee injuries. He went from being a guy who drove in to being a guy who controlled the mid-range. And that offensive system, which Booker is very comfortable with, you know, they basically use Aiton as a, as a, as a screener more than almost anybody in the league. And then the Chris Paul and Booker go to work. Durant fits into that beautifully. Durant 
you know, working through off the elbows is perfect. Yeah, I mean, the anticipation just with, with every minute, with every day uh, that passes, it just gets higher and higher. That 22-game window that we were talking about probably gets shrunk now to about 20 games. You have to figure some rest days in there as well. I still think that number of, of Kevin Durant appearances in the regular season, for what it's worth, and it might mm-hmm. not mean nothing, mm-hmm. uh, but you know, 15 to 18 games is, I think, it, what, what he'll get in in terms of run before well, the playoffs. And again, I, I, I would just counter by saying this. If Kevin Durant is actively practicing with the team and in the gym, and he is, I, the final Five on five stuff is is yet to really kind of become central to it all, but but then he he's becoming assimilated with the team, mm-hmm. so they're getting stuff done regardless of whether he's playing a game in the moment right now. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Um, also, uh, James Jones did talk about a couple of other subjects, uh, including. The buyout market, there seems to be, I don't know how much smoke there is, but there was some reaction to Carmelo Anthony comments made by Chris Paul and Kevin Durant recently. Mm-hmm. Maybe people are trying to connect the dots there, but you know he's available. Kevin Love was available. The buyout market was was pretty robust. Here was mm-hmm. James Jones on that. Yeah, every guy that's been on the buyout market, we've, we've had conversations about. And that was uh, very distinct, very succinct, I should say. Uh, hopefully, um, you know, we talked to Al McCoy yesterday and Al said, I think this is the team that's going to going to be together moving forward. I, I don't know. I mean, the buyout market is not finished. There's still some candidates that are out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, Will Barton being the one that most people are pointing to as, as the guy that could come in and help, but... You know how how much how, how many more new guys are you going to be bringing? Yeah, in how here? many more like, minutes are available well, that, for anybody again, coming from this the is, outside? I, I think it's internal. Yeah, I, I think that I think that uh, the, the sensible way to look at this is: don't you have enough new pieces to worry about right now? Mm-hmm. Okay, that's what that's the way I look at it. It would it would only depend on if campaign like what's the status of campaign. Because if it, that's the one position where they haven't really solidified. But again, you, you, you've got to you've got to pay some sort of respect and and homage to to everything that's been done up to this point. You're not going to be just carving up sixty five percent of the available minutes and get and mm-hmm. and suddenly giving them to outsiders. I, I, this this conversation is just it's yeah to me this is a this is a matter of now placeholding time until Kevin Durant gets out there but I think in the short term there's a lot that they can get done right now that is not ex- that is not mitigated by not playing basketball games but I think that James Jones let people know what's going on behind the scenes in that first cut that that no we haven't ruled him out for tomorrow night so regardless of what Brian Windhorst is saying here or Shams is saying over here. Or Flex from Jersey is yeah. saying over here, they have not ruled him out yet. Yeah, because the possibility again remains. Kevin Durant yeah. rolls out of bed and says, wow, this, this wow, feels great. Yeah. yeah, let's do it. But just announced Guns N' Roses heading to Chase Field on October 11th. Tickets go on sale tomorrow at 10 a.m., but you can win a pair right now by texting ROSES to 620-620. That's ROSES to 620-620 for your chance to win. Coming up next, a very busy day three of Newsmakers Week 2023 gets underway with the brand new general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, Monty Asenford, joining us next. Typically in Murata Mornings here on Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader. 
Newsmakers Week with Bickley and Murata Mornings, the Arizona Cardinals. Yeah, we kick off Newsmakers Week, day three here on Bickley and Murata Mornings with a visit the first time he's joining the show. The new general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, Monty Ossenford, who joins us here on the Arizona Sports Line. Monty, my name's Vince Murata. My partner is Dan Bickley. A belated congratulations and welcome to the Valley to you. Dan and Vince, great to be here this morning. Very excited, uh, exciting times around here, and uh, expe- excited to spend some time with you guys this morning. Yeah, it's um, it's been a whirlwind. I'm sure five weeks on the job for you, going through an extensive head coaching search. Uh, how would you how would you sum up your first five weeks on the job, Monty? It's been outstanding. You know, we've we've had a chance to talk to a lot of impressive coaching candidates. You know, we went through, uh, interviewed ten different ten different candidates. Got a chance to talk to them. Uh, a couple of them a, a couple different times and and excited to add Jonathan Gannon to our group he's going to bring uh, a, a high level of capacity and character to our team uh, he's got a great plan a great vision on on how he's going to build things here with with myself and and Michael Bidwell and we're just we're, we're we couldn't be more excited to get rolling here there's a lot of exciting things particularly after a lot of the fans who had to live through last season which was just a disaster from start to finish one of those years you want to forget as soon as it's over. Moving forward, uh, how concerned are you about the youth and the inexperience of this staff that you are assembling? Yeah, you know, I think I think what we've we've focused on is adding the right type of coaches and the right type of people to this organization, and that's going to extend through all levels of, of football. That that's what it's all about. It's it's the right people, and we've we've focused on on making sure that the people that we're bringing in here have the have experience, whether it's in the NFL or the college. There's a mix of people that have have, have had experience in the league. There's some that that are lesser experienced coaches, but we're excited about what they bring to the table and. And everybody that was added to the coaching staff, and we're getting closer to having a complete staff, was brought in here with an intentional mindset of, of what they're going to bring. And really building the coaching staff and, and building any part of the organization, it, it's, it's a lot like building the roster, and it's about finding the right people um, and, and, and the people that can fit together and work together and, and to put a winning product on the field. And so that's what, that's what we're excited about. Monty Austin Ford, Arizona Cardinals general manager, our guest here on Newsmakers Week here on Bickley and Murata. Of mornings, you, you talked about the number of candidates you spoke with and, and went through this process, which which lasted I think thirty seven days was the the final tally. You decide on Jonathan Gannon in the end, but I, I think that's a learning experience uh, for an organization as well. When you go through that many interviews, Monty, what what did you learn early on in your tenure uh, as general manager of the Cardinals about this organization, really, in that whole process? And it was. It really was a great learning experience to get to get an outside perspective. And, and to be honest, mine was an outside perspective. And there was things that I had to learn. And, and then when we bring different coaches around, you know, every building in the NFL is different. And so when we brought the different coaches in, everybody had a different feel or a different flavor on what exactly their vision was for the team. And so just to hear different ways of, of doing things, that was beneficial for me. It was beneficial for Michael. It was beneficial for the rest of the interview team just to get new ideas and fresh ideas of, yeah, hey, that makes sense, or yeah, I don't know if I, I see it that way, but I can, I can understand why another team would do that. And so going through that process, it, it certainly was a learning experience for me, and, I, and it's, it's things that we're going to apply here as we move forward in, in terms of just roster building and, and just how, how the football operations work. There are, yeah, there are a lot of theories on how to build a football team. One that seems to endure is to build big and strong 
up front. It's something the Eagles obviously did very well and got back to the Super Bowl with last year. I know you've talked about some of this. Tell our listeners, how do you believe a football team should be built? Yeah, and I think I think really before we get into any of that, I think it really starts again to, with the right type of people, the people that are going to put the team above themselves, that the te- the, the people that are going to uh, when something may be better for them intent or personally, really the guys that are going to go above and beyond and go go extra for the team and put them in front, um, you know. So it starts with adding the right type of people, no matter what what position what we're talking about. But you know, in reality, when when we start talking about constructing a roster hey there's decisions to, to that have to be made and you, you sure we'd love to get all pros at every single position and that's just not reality and so you know we have to be smart the NFL is, is set up where you, you got to pick your pick your uh, poison where, where you're going to put your money where you're going to put your resources and then there's there's places where you're not going to have as many resources and so you know I think a big area for us is that we we have to look at the the, the line of scrimmage on both sides of the ball you know if you can control the line of scrimmage offensively, if you can control the line of scrimmage defensively, it opens up opportunities for really everybody else around. And, and I think you saw that in the in the two teams that played in the Super Bowl this year, uh, you know, Philadelphia and Kansas City. I mean, yes, they the, both teams were full of great players, but look at the offensive and defensive lines on both of those teams, and they were, you know, they were strong on both sides, and, and in the end, those were the last two, those were the two best teams in the NFL this year, and those were the two teams playing for the trophy at the end. Cardinals GM Monty Ossenford, our guest here on Arizona sports, the local sports leader in terms of roster construction. And we know there's, there's big questions and we'll start with the quarterback position. You have the knowledge that your starting quarterback, Kyler Murray will not be available uh, at the beginning of the season. His timetable for a return is still up in the air. What is the likelihood this off season that you, you add a quarterback that can come in and be a starter in the interim without Kyler Murray, Monty? Yeah. And I think that's something that we're in the initial stages of, of, of working through here. You know, we've, we've had, we, we made the coordinators hires earlier this week. We're, we're close to adding the, the rest of the staff. You know, Kyler's been in the building the last two weeks. He's been working hard. I mean, it's great seeing him down there grinding on the rehab. You know, we, we, the first priority for, for us is getting Kyler healthy. Um, and that's, you know, getting him in a place where he's ready to go and do the things that, that we've all seen him do before. You know, it, as, it, as it pertains to adding other pieces to the roster, that's something that we're going to evaluate. You know, Colt, uh, Colt McCoy's here. He's been working hard. He's going to be ready to go this spring, um, you know. And we're going to evaluate the quarterback position and really every position on the team. And and when they when it makes sense to add a piece to the roster that's going to add competition, it's going to add depth. Then we're not going to hesitate to do it, and we're going to explore every avenue that we can to to make that happen. The, yeah, the importance of accountability was one of the things that you talked about early on after you were hired, Monty, and, and a lot of people gravitated to that because again, this is uh, something that seemed to be in short supply last year and in previous previous years. Uh, How important is that and how do you execute that as a new staff? Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, I, I can't speak on what, what did or didn't happen here last year. I, w- I was not here. All I, all I can say is that, again, I'll go back to it. It starts with adding the right type of people. And, and we've done, a, we've done a, the gr- a great job of that here in the last week of adding the right type of coaches to the staff. And then w- one thing that Jonathan always talks about is what, is what does winning behavior look like? And so really that is just as, mu- that is as much what not to do as it is what to do. And so we're going to describe to players what winning behavior is. We're going to show them what it is. And we're going to call out when things are win- what is winning behavior. And then when something is falling short and there's 
no one that's going to put that uh, that model and that example together more than us as a staff, us uh, as a coaching staff, as a personnel staff, as the entire football operations. We're going to show the players what winning behavior is, and then it's going to we're going to explain to the players what the winning behavior is. And when people fall short of that, it's going to stick out, and we're going to call it out. And we're not going to be afraid of doing that. And we're excited to put that type of culture and accountability back into this program. We uh, we know as a football team in, a, in an organization, your fresh eyes are going to be invaluable. It's something the organization has needed. I, I heard you talk about the importance of kind of tapping into the undrafted free agent pool as a resource, something the Patriots have done real well. As you begin to assess what you have in front of you candidly, how bad is the roster? How much work needs to be done in terms of roster infrastructure that's ahead of you? Yeah, there are there are definitely pieces in place on this team. There is there is talent available on this team, and we need to add talent. There's there's no question. We need to we need to turn over every stone uh, that we can to add talent and add competition to this roster. And so there's there's many ways to do that throughout the season, uh, and it and it's uh, and it's already begun. We've went through a week of unrestricted free agency meetings with our pro staff. We just finished yesterday with ten days of meetings with our college staff. Uh, so we got through that. We're gonna we're we're getting the coaching staff together, and, and we'll explain to them what their role is in the in the evaluation process. And you know, unfortunately, uh, the the team had to go through a, a long season last year, and which is not acceptable acceptable to any of us. What that does do is it puts us in a, in a position with the the third pick in the draft and the third pick in every round, and it also gives us a, a opportunity as the third in the waiver claims as we go through here August and and the start of the season. And so that's going to represent an opportunity for us to to claim players. Um, And so there's going to be multiple checkpoints as we go here that starting with free agency to the draft to trades to uh, to claiming players to August cut down that we're going to have an ability to add talent to this roster and then also develop the guys with the new coaching staff develop the guys that are already here because there are pieces in place and with the, the guys that we're planning to add we're going to be we're going to be able to add a, add enough pieces to put a, a very competitive roster on the field this year Cardinals general manager Monty Austin for our guest here on Newsmakers week with the draft a couple of months away and in recent years the draft it's always a crapshoot we know this it's not an exact science but it hasn't also uh it wasn't considered a strength of the cardinals going into your first draft and heading up football operations for the cardinals is there a general philosophy is is there a trait that you look for in in draftees i'm always curious about you know how individuals view that going into the process monty i'm looking for guys that love football everybody in this department is, is if we can find the guys that love football, guys that compete, guys that will put the team first, that's where we're going to start. And it starts with adding those type of players. And if we can add those type of players, and then there's going to certainly there's going to be a prerequisite amount of talent that, you know, I, I love football and I'm going to put the team first, but hey, nobody wants to see me out there running around on Sundays, trust me. Um, you know, so I'm not talking that. That's not the only thing, but we, we are looking to marry that with talented players. And we're going to get those players on our team and that's going to be the overall philosophy and we're going to have a picture of how we want to play uh, schematically and the, the traits the physical traits that we're looking for uh, at each position and that's going to come through JG and through the coordinators and that's going to be common knowledge through all of our 
coaching staff and personnel staff, and we're going to find the right players for the Cardinals both on and off the field. All right, you're getting me hyped, Monty. Here's my last question for you. A lot of people have looked at the particulars with DeAndre Hopkins' contract with rumblings that he wants to finish elsewhere, that he's hell-bent on the Hall of Fame, all of that. And we've all kind of assumed that this is going to have to be a trade piece that you execute. I've We've read that you've met with him and talked with him. Is there hope that he might stick around? Update us on D, on D Hop going forward. Yeah, I had a great talk with D Hop a couple of weeks ago. It was great. You know, I just kind of explained to him what what my philosophy was. Kind of the same things that I've told you. Uh, it was a great conversation. Um, you know, again, like D Hop's been a great player in this league for a long time. Uh, I'm excited to work with him. And you know, I think any roster decisions of that we're in the very early stages right now. But you know, I would say I, from afar, I've had to compete against um, again, not me personally, but I've been on teams that have had to compete against D Hop, and I know what a problem he and a stress that he puts on defenses um, so you know I'm, I'm excited to have D hop on the team and really as it goes for whether it pertains to D hop situation or anybody's sitting in this league for a long time uh, I'm excited to work with him and you know I think any roster decisions of that we're in the very early stages right now but you know I would say I, from afar I've had to compete against um, again not me personally but I've been on teams that have had to compete against D hop and I know what a problem he and a, a stress that he puts on defenses um, so you know I'm, I'm excited to have D hop on the team and really as it goes for whether it pertains to D hop situation or anybody's situation we're gonna we're in the stages of evaluating that um, but you know I'm, I'm excited that D hop is on the team with me right now Monty thanks so much for uh, making some time for us on Newsmakers yeah, Week it. really appreciate it and hopefully we can chat again real soon Absolutely, guys. Thanks a lot. Thank, Thank you, Monty. Monty Austin Fort, the uh, new general manager of the Arizona Cardinals, kicking off day three of Newsmakers Week here on uh, Bickley and Murata Mornings. We hit the 7 o'clock hour, and coming up in the 7 o'clock hour, we'll visit with Diamondbacks manager Tori Lovello. We'll have two segments in studio with Cardinals owner Michael Bidwell, but we'll get into uh, more Cardinals talk next and what to expect from an introductory press conference from new offensive coordinator Drew Petzing today. That's straight ahead. It's Bickley and Murata Mornings here on this Thursday. Arizona Sports, the local sports leader.